0: Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS exam training courses and Members Academy. Today I'm doing the first of a series of listening part three uh, texts. Um, I have to say I do tend to avoid them for two reasons. One is that they are usually, well they're always dialogues, which means you have two people talking. Um, And reason number two why I avoid them is that they're usually very dull and boring, I'm afraid. They're always about an academic subject. So remember part three and part four are academic subjects, whereas part one and part two are everyday subjects. Um, But it tends to be two students talking about their essay or their essay plan or their project or their field trip and they're either they're getting feedback. What do you think? How well did that go? Um, Should I do anything differently? Maybe from a tutor or just from a colleague Um, or there's a kind of lecture style. Now, the lecture style I don't mind because they're usually interesting subjects, and I'm starting with that today. Um, again, it is two people discussing one subject and how they're going to present it. Um, but don't worry too much about the fact that there are two people in this one because basically they're giving information and you can answer these questions without really knowing who is talking. Having said that, there is a question which says, um, what do the speakers agree on? And that is an important part of part three. You have to listen for, um, you know, when they say, ah, yes, you're absolutely right. And that means they agree or One of them might say, ah, but don't you think blah, blah, blah? And then, of course, they don't agree. So that is one uh, question which does come up here, although it doesn't cause any difficulty. And there's another question here where it says, in Olivia's opinion... But really, it doesn't matter because hers is the only opinion. So you don't have to decide whether it's Olivia's opinion or Victor's opinion. It doesn't apply here. Um, very often you do get uh, a kind of question type where it says, which person agreed with this? And you have A, Olivia, B, Victor or C, Victor and Olivia. So both. Um, So you don't get that in this one that I'm going to do today. Um, In this one, there are two sets of questions. So again, it splits halfway and you get a chance to look at the second half. So I'm going to start by looking at questions 21. Uh, to 24 um, Finally, the other reason I chose this is because of the topic area uh, Quite recently we did I think a reading about the Lapita who um, came on boats you know this Polynesian island and this whole theory about how they traveled so far um, go back and have a look for that I'll, I'll put the number in the notes but it is an important issue this idea of migration and where did um, these tribes start from and how do we know what they did and boat building. It's, it's all in this listening just as exactly as it was in the reading. And the other thing that's mentioned here is Easter Island, Pacific Islands. Um, it's, it's all part of this topic area that you have to revise and know a little bit about to help you. Um, this focuses on one man called... Heyerdahl Thor Heyerdahl. You might have heard of him, I haven't, but I think by the sound of it he's quite famous. Um, So it's all about his life and his research and these two students are going to make a presentation so they're deciding what to include what to mention and they're trying to get their facts right. The first half focuses on Thor Heyerdahl's early life and why he decided to do this research. The second half um, is focused on his later life and the conclusions from his research and the impact and influence of his research so questions 21 and 22 are choosing from a list and it says which two hobbies was Thor Heyerdahl very interested in as a youth so there are five options a camping b climbing c collecting d hunting and e reading I'm going to read the first bit and you tell me if one of those jumps out. Victor. Right, well, for our presentation, shall I start with the early life of Thor Heyerdahl? Olivia. Sure. Why don't you begin with describing the type of boy he was, especially his passion for collecting things? So that is one of the answers. One of the answers is C. Collecting. Victor answers and he says that's right. He had his own little museum. And I think it's unusual for children to develop their own values and not join in their parents' hobbies. I'm thinking of how Haydall wouldn't go hunting with his dad, for example. So the word hunting comes up there. Of course, it's a trick. He wouldn't go hunting with his dad. Olivia says, yes, he preferred to learn about nature by listening to his mother read to him. So the answer, he liked to listen to his mum reading, but the trick is reading is not the answer. And quite early on, he knew he wanted to become an explorer when he grew up. That came from his camping trips he went on in Norway, I think. So the word camping comes up and it's on the list. But Victor says she's wrong. Victor says no, it was climbing that he spent his time on as a young man. So the second answer is B, climbing. The emphasis helps you it says no it was climbing so in his voice you could probably hear it and the structure of it was climbing that he spent his time on as a young man so those are our first two questions 21 is climbing 22 is collecting or the other way round. doesn't matter how you write them the same type of question is in 23 and 24. Which, choose two letters, which do the speakers say are the two reasons why Hayadal went to live on an island? So here are the choices. Why did he go to live on an island? A, to examine ancient carvings. B, to experience an isolated place C to formulate a new theory D to learn survival skills E to study the impact of an extreme environment So Olivia introduces the topic She says after university he married a classmate And together, they decided to experience living on a small island to find out how harsh weather conditions shaped people's lifestyles. The two answers are actually in that sentence, more or less, but there's more information later. So they decided to experience living on a small island to find out how harsh weather conditions shaped people's lifestyles and that gives us the answer E to study the impact of an extreme environment so extreme environment, harsh weather conditions that always comes up in some shape or form in IELTS and how did it shape people's lifestyles so shaped means it had an impact on so the first answer is E. Now we know that they went to a small island and Victor says as part of their preparation before they left home they learnt basic survival skills like building a shelter. So they learnt survival skills before they went. So the answer is not D. They did not go there to learn survival skills. Victor says, I guess they needed that knowledge in order to live wild in a remote location with few inhabitants, cut off by the sea, which is what they were aiming to do. So, this is the answer again a remote location, cut off by the sea that is an isolated place and this is what they wanted to experience this is what they were aiming to do so the second answer is b now we have our two answers but there are tricks a c and d are tricks so we know that they did not go there to learn survival skills now olivia says an important part of your talk should be the radical theory Haydal formed from examining mysterious ancient carvings that he happened to find on the island. Okay, so he found ancient carvings on the island by accident. So he did not go there to examine these ancient carvings. Also, he developed his theory after finding the carvings so he did not go there in order to formulate a new theory that came after he arrived there so we move on now they give you a bit of thinking time you move on to the second half which is the later life of Thor Heyerdahl The next part is a series of multiple choice questions. There are six questions and for each one there are three choices. So with this kind of multiple choice with three choices, it's usual that all three are mentioned, unlike when you have four choices where you can instantly discount uh, two of them. These three you have to listen carefully for each one. So, question 25, according to Victor and Olivia, academics thought that Polynesian migration from the East was impossible due to. So, why did academics think Polynesian migration from the East was impossible? A. The fact that Eastern countries were far away, B. The lack of materials for boat building see the direction of the winds and currents and as I mentioned before if you know anything about the kind of theories that IELTS is obsessed with this Polynesian migration that could really help you here. Olivia says all right Victor after your part I'll talk about Thor Heyerdahl's adult life continuing from the theory he had about Polynesian migration. Up until that time, of course, academics had believed that humans first migrated to the islands in Polynesia from Asia in the west. And Victor says yes, they thought travel from the east was impossible because of that huge empty stretch of ocean that lies between the islands and the nearest inhabited land. So there you go. That is the answer. It's the fact that eastern countries were far away. There was a huge empty stretch of ocean. But listen for the tricks. Olivia says, yes, but Haydall spent ages studying the cloud movements, ocean currents and wind patterns to find if it was actually possible. That's it. He studied them, but there's no mention of the academics. And another argument was that there was no tradition of large shipbuilding in the communities lying to the east of Polynesia. But Heyerdahl knew they made lots of coastal voyages in locally built canoes. You can see the trick there. It says in the text that there was no tradition of large shipbuilding, and one of the options is the lack of materials for boat building. Well, it's not the same thing, it's not a lack of materials. They did have the materials because we know they made lots of coastal voyages in locally built canoes. Okay, so question twenty six is where they ask what the speakers agree on. It says, which do the speakers agree was the main reason for Heyerdahl's raft journey, the main reason for his journey his, and what do they agree on? A, <coughs> to overcome a research setback. B, to demonstrate a personal quality. Or C, to test a new theory. So what do they say? <coughs> Sorry. Um, 26. Yes, Victor says, sailing on rafts as was shown by the long voyage that Heyerdahl did next. It was an incredibly risky journey to undertake. Sometimes I wonder if he did that trip for private reasons. Maybe to show others that he could have spectacular adventure- adventures. What do you think, Olivia? Olivia says, well, I think it was more a matter of simply trying out his idea to see if migration from the East was possible. Victor says, yes, that's probably it. So we can see that they agree on Olivia's opinion that it was a matter of simply trying out his idea. And that gives us 26C, to test a new theory. Um, there are tricks. Um, Victor says the war forced him to stop work for some years. Olivia says when he got started again and planned his epic voyage. Do you think it was important to him that he achieve it before anyone else? And Victor says, no, I haven't read anywhere that this was his motivation. So um, that, yeah. And, well, actually, this moves into question 27 as well. So I'm going to read question 27. So just to confirm, 26 was C. He wanted to test a new theory. 27, what was most important to Hayedal about his raft journey? So this is when Olivia asked, do you think it was important to him to do it before anybody else did? And Victor says, no, I haven't read that that was his motivation. Victor says, the most important factor seems to have been that he used only ancient techniques and local materials to build his raft. So that is the answer. It It, it isn't A, the fact that he was the first person to do it. It is C: the use of authentic construction methods. Um, how do we know that? Well, authentic would be the ancient techniques and local materials, construction methods to build his raft. There's a trick in 27. It mentions the most important thing to him was the speed of crossing the Pacific. And the next question, Olivia says, is, I wonder how fast it went. But there's no mention of this being important to him. Victor says, it took them 97 days from South America to the Pacific Islands. Olivia says, after that, he went to Easter Island. Uh, we should mention the purpose of that trip. I think he sailed there in a boat made out of reeds. And Victor says, no that was later on in Egypt and she said, oh yes, that's right. So this refers to question 28. Why did Hayadal go to Easter Island? A, to build a stone statue. B, to sail a reed boat. Or C, to learn the local language. Well, we've already discounted to sail a reed boat. This was not Purpose. He didn't go there. That was later on in Egypt that he went in a boat made out of reeds. So, Victor says, what he wanted to do was talk to the local people about their old stone carvings and then make one himself to learn more about the process. So, that gives us the answer to 28, which is A, to build a stone statue It's not B, to sail a reed boat. And it's not C, learn the local language. It just says that he wanted to talk to the local people. Okay, question 29. In Olivia's opinion, (coughs) Heyerdahl's greatest influence was on... So this is a kind of, you know, what was the impact of his research and his theories? What did he have the greatest influence on, according to Olivia? A, theories about polynesian origins b the development of archaeological methodology or c establishing archaeology as an academic subject now i've got the answer to this from the answer book but when i was preparing the podcast i had my doubts and i can see now why Um, I had my doubts and I can see why the answer is correct. So I'm going to talk you through that. So Olivia says, what a great life. Even though many of his theories have been disproven, he certainly left a lasting impression on many disciplines, didn't he? Okay, so many of his theories have been disproven or disproved. So he didn't have much influence on the theories of Polynesian origins, because people have found that he was wrong, um, but he certainly left a lasting impression on many disciplines. Discipline—we've talked about this word. It's got a silent C in it. It's got two meanings. So one of them is, you know, at school, discipline is important—that there are rules and children are well-behaved. But the other meaning of discipline is subject areas, basically. And she says, to my mind, he was the first person to establish what modern academics call practical archaeology. I mean that they try to recreate something from the past today like he did with his raft trip. So this is where i had a slight doubt so what does it say he was the first person to establish what modern academics call practical archaeology what is practical archaeology well they try to recreate something from the past so the answer is b the development of archaeological methodology So, I guess methodology meaning that they're using practical examples rather than just the theories. So, that is the answer. But my doubt was C. C says establishing archaeology as an academic subject. I can see now, actually, that's totally wrong. Yes. Um, He didn't establish... It says he was the first person to establish what modern academics call practical archaeology. But he didn't establish archaeology as an academic subject. It already was, it has been for years. Okay, that that makes sense, I hope, to me. I hope it does to you. 30, last question. What criticism do the speakers make of William Oliver's textbook? Okay, so A, its style is out of date. B, its content is oversimplified. Or C, its methodology is flawed. So they introduce, they say, well, I'll prepare a PowerPoint slide at the end. Oh, sorry, let me just read you this last line. Olivia says, It's unfortunate his ideas about where Polynesians originated from have been completely discredited. So again it repeats that his theories about the origins of Polynesians have been discredited. It's a good word, so disproved, discredited, uh, proved to be wrong. So let's come back about the criticism of William Oliver's textbook. A. Old, out of date. B. Too simple. C. Methodology is flawed. Flawed means it has a weakness. It's wrong. So Victor says, I'll prepare a PowerPoint slide at the end that acknowledges our sources. I mainly used the life and work of Thor Heyerdahl by William Oliver. I thought the research methods he used were very sound although I must say I found the overall tone somewhat old-fashioned I think they need to do a new revised edition. Olivia says I agree what about the subject matter I found it really challenging and Victor says well it's a complex issue so the main thing that he says that research methods he used were very sound meaning the methodology or the yeah the research methods were good sound is a synonym for good and strong although negative i must say i found the overall tone somewhat old-fashioned they need to do a new revised edition so old-fashioned out of date tone is style they need to do a new revised edition so the answer the criticism that is a style is out of date it is not b it's not oversimplified it says it's a complex issue and as we said the methodology is not flawed but you can see there even in the last part um You know, even though I said that this was more a kind of a history or a kind of a lecture about a topic, you can see how the academic words like uh, methodology, sound, um, flawed, uh, theories, content, oversimplified, all of those uh, words are very typical of um, part three, listening. Um, And the next one I'll do, I'll choose something where they are actually discussing their essay or or dissertation. But you can also see how useful it is anyway in general for you because if you are going on to study at university, these are absolutely key essential issues that you will have to learn about and use. Even here she says... Or oh, Victor says, I'll prepare a PowerPoint slide that acknowledges our sources. Even that, I've just had a special request to create um, a kind of crash course in how to write. Uh, an academic uh, assignment at university. I'm working on that at the moment. It'll go into the academy as soon as it's ready. But this point about acknowledging your sources, it's the whole thing that you have to learn about plagiarism and how do you reference the books that you've read? How do you choose the right you know typical useful academic material how to avoid wikipedia using wikipedia uh, things like that they're all really important so um this part three i think even doing the practice tests can help you with a lot of language that you'll need for your further studies and hopefully that course will be ready for you in the members academy very very soon And just to mention another little helpful note about writing, yesterday I posted an informal letter. Um, I'd been marking a lot and seeing the same problem coming up again and again. People writing informal letters using language that was too formal. So do go and have a look at that uh, that post it was a letter to a colleague that you've known a long time, uh, saying that you can't go to their leaving party. Well, a lot of people said it it is with great regret that I have to inform you that I am unable you know I will not be able to attend blah blah blah. It was all far too formal, and there are simple tricks you know instead of I uh, apologize you just say i'm sorry. Instead of saying, I will not be able, you know, just put it, I won't be able, use contractions. So lots of simple tricks like that. It was interesting on Instagram when I posted it, I asked people to choose between the formal and the informal version. And 50%, over 50% said that the formal version was better. And I think that's the problem. People trying their best to write well, but you get points for how well you use informal English as well, especially general training, task one. Yes, general training I'm talking about, not academic, sorry. Yeah, so that go and have a look at that on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And I also did that as a live webinar class in the Members Academy, which is one of the many bonuses that you get. You can submit your own example, and then I give you assessment, correction, and feedback. And um, those are all in the Academy for you to share and. Um, look at other ones that I've done and it gives you a very good idea about where you might be losing points possibly and not getting the score that I'm sure you deserve. So if you've got any questions about that, please do let me know. I love getting questions. Last week, also in the Members Academy, somebody sent me an online text that they thought was really confusing because the questions didn't go in order. When I found the text, I realised it was a terrible example of somebody tried to copy an IELTS test online and it was so badly written that it wasn't the poor student's fault. It was, you know, the material online. But, you know, that, that... That is the kind of request you can ask me. Um, I love finding things out like that and I love trying to help. Um, I've got 28 years of doing IELTS tests. I know when I see a real one and when I see a fake one, believe me. Okay, thanks ever so much for listening and thanks for your support as always. Do drop me a line, let me know how you're getting on. Okay, bye for now, bye bye.